the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The ugly truth behind why we buy ugly houses. And later we're joined by game creator Anthony Russo to play a little game with him called The Bible is Funny. You're listening to The Common Good. Welcome back to The Common Good on this Friday evening. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Brown. We hope you are headed to a very fun weekend. Brian, you guys have any plans? There's always baseball. Oh, yeah? I think there's some softball this weekend. So, yes, very kid-centric church. Nice. And uh, that, that seems to You're be so about wholesome. It. What a great little family you are in Downers Grove. <laughs> Way to go. Or, or overextended, yes. <laughs> or that one or the weekend? other. What's your plan? Uh, we have – this is actually kind of fun on Saturday night. We have a friend – who is an investor in a restaurant in Chicago, and he's having an open house. So fun. So we're going to go down there. Yeah, looking forward to that. And then we'll probably just chill tonight, have an in-home Friday night, and then, of course, church on Sunday. So good times, good times. Um, All right, Brian, have you seen those billboards, those signs that say, we buy ugly houses? I have seen those, yes. Okay. All right. And do you do you know like offhand what the company is? It's okay if you don't. This is kind of a quiz question. I wouldn't have known, but I, I other than I would suspect they're coming in and trying to buy houses at a low cost. That, yeah. That's what I've always thought they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's an or it's a company called Home Vesters. And um basically part of their I guess their reputation is uh, part of their mission is a promise not to take advantage of anyone who doesn't understand the true value of their home. Even as franchisees pursue rock bottom prices, they apparently at their like annual conferences, home investors, trainers will tell people like treat every customer like they're your 80 fold, 85 year old grandma who's never done a real estate deal. So they sort of prize themselves as being like anti big business, anti taking advantage of you that kind mm-hmm. of thing. But then apparently there's an organization called ProPublica that uh, investigates abuses of power and found some pretty horrific stories coming they out of what they said. Yeah. Yeah. So let, let me tell you about a couple of those. And then I, I think we'll just have a conversation about like, what do we do? So um, home investors got a, a woman named Corinne Casanova. She actually got in touch with home investors. She, her husband had died she was living alone. She owned the house herself. She was a few days away from moving into assisted living. And so she called the number on the We Buy Ugly Houses ads. And basically she said, I was wondering if I could get an estimate for the value of my home. My husband's gone. It's just me now, etc." There was a guy at the time named Corey Evans who ran the business. And apparently he's known as a, quote, hard closer. He, of course, gave her a really low offer, calculated the profit he wanted to make, presented her with a 10-page purchase agreement, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Here's the thing. Apparently, this woman, Casanova, was incapable of engaging in a negotiation. Right. She used to be a skilled bookkeeper, et cetera, but she had dementia. dementia. Yes. Yeah. 
Okay. So basically, um, uh, you know, Homevestor says they're not going to do this, right? We're going to treat everyone like our 85-year-old grandmother. Well, after her, uh, this precious woman's family found out about what's going on, they tried to, you know, cancel the sale. But this guy, Corey Evans, dug in and essentially prevented a sale to anyone else, which forced the Casanova family into like a years-long battle to keep their home. And apparently now story after story after story has come out like this, where although they say they're one thing, there are all of these owners who are taking advantage of the elderly, the sick, locking people up and where they can't sell their home. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. terrible, essentially. So feels like a big abuse of power and they come after you like they find people strategically anyway it's not surprising right yeah they're advertising on the side of the road and on billboards and people don't do these things to out of the um goodness of their own heart right it's like they're they're trying to make money and it clearly is shady i don't know if you got i've gotten calls before once or twice of people like Hey, I'd love to buy your house. I'm like, my house isn't for sale. Yeah, what are you talking about? You'd love to buy my house. Yeah, and and it always feels like anyone who's going to go to that length, I'm going to assume – uh, is trying to pull the wool over my eyes. They might be great. They might have this, but this – I am not surprised at all by these stories here that you read in here that they were actually – Oh, they actually knew what they could pay, but they were going to go for like two thirds that amount right, and try to trick right, the people and right. try to. I, yeah, it's not. It's not surprising at all. I think the question is like, there's one taking advantage of an elderly woman with dementia is just like egregious. Okay, so mm-hmm. let's just almost set that aside. Is there a problem with a company like this bidding low, trying to make the most money they can't? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, there's a part of me that's like beyond this story because again, this mm-hmm. is egregious, immoral, terrible. There's a part of me that's like, well, isn't that business? Like you try to get the lowest deal so that you make the most money? Or is it because they say they're doing something that they're not? Like like what's the actual problem outside of taking advantage of this woman? I Honestly, I'm not sure when you lay it out that way, it, you know, this feels like capitalism. Like go, right? go but like the, the buyer on the other – no one's forcing you to sell your house. You could just yeah. go, nope. Or – right. You as a seller can go, I'm not going to sell it for less than X. And they come in, oh, and they're all snazzy. Nope, not good. It reminds – here's what it reminds me of. It reminds me of um, when you go to like a timeshare, mm, like pressure sell Pressure, thing. the pressure, yeah. Well, yeah, they use shady practices. We all know that there's fine print and stuff. But nobody's making you say yes to anything. Mm-hmm. So just say no. And yeah. t- take your free vacation and whatever else it will be. And if you sign up for something that you d- – that's on you. Like I yeah. don't know. So let's take away the fact that they clearly uh, – Clearly. The, the like, lady with dementia one's a problem. Uh, I that's mean, a, yeah, that's that just a horrific, egregious. If yeah. they call me – let's put it this way, Aubrey. If they call me mm-hmm. and they give a big sales pitch as to why I should sell them my house – yeah. And I sign the documents and then regret it. That's on me. Yeah. Like, I'm a 46-year-old man. I should Able-minded know man. what yeah. I want to do with my home. And so I, I think there's an underbelly to everything, whether it be mm. lawyers and insurance, life insurance. Yeah. So the, 
there's always an underbelly to these type real estate. There's always an underbelly, and you just got to be careful. And a lot of times, I would suspect if it looks like it's too good to be true, it's probably, it probably too is. good to be true. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I don't know. I feel like we all have to be savvy about this kind of stuff. And then I think, you know, going back to this precious elderly woman, like, let's also make sure our elderly neighbors and family members aren't being taken advantage of and like do the work we need to do that. You know, what's so funny. This is random and a small scale version of this, but I love uh, Bath and Body Works. Like they're, you know, their lotion, their candles, whatever, but they have this thing in every Bath and Body Works where you go in And I don't know what the training is for this, but I know it must be happening because it's universal. They follow you around the store and they're like, can I get you this? What about this? How about this? What are you looking at? Can I help you? Can you try? And I, I get so frustrated at times I've walked out or I've been like, I actually just want to shop around on my own. Please leave me alone. Like I've even said that there. And Mm. I feel like that's a small version of this, that high pressure sales can be so, so frustrating and annoying, but you do have to be strong enough to be like, please stop. This is not something that I want to do. And then obviously in a situation like this, if they're taking advantage of people, that's a different, you know, different. I mean, it does say here nearly a third of their purchases are from people older than 65 years old. Oh, okay. They're targeting. It feels a little targeted. Yeah. I think that's that that's shady. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, coming up next, a very famous actor kind of surprised the world. By talking about his depression, we're going to play some of that audio and have that conversation when we return. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Brian, uh, if I were to ask you, like, who is the most beloved movie star in the world? Who's on that list? Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks for sure is on that list. Most beloved Tom Hanks is on that list. It's hard he to is beat definitely Tom on that Hanks. List. So I, it's funny. I, I, I always ask people. my... Yeah, I always ask my kids who their favorite actors are, and the person we're going to talk about is always on their list. So this might be generational. The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Like, they are such Rock fans. They love his movies. They love his humor. I think he did a big thing on Fortnite, and so that definitely won them over. Most of us met him from wrestling. Like, we met him. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He was a huge deal. He was a huge – I didn't. I sort of met him post-wrestling because I wasn't a big wrestling fan, but he was a really surprising. big deal, right? So he is in, like, every movie all the time, I feel like, and obviously known as this, like, big sort of manly, strong guy. And so this was interesting that he recently came out and talked about his uh, experiences with depression. Some – uh someone he was earlier and then um, like right after his football, his college football career ended. And then when he got a divorce, he went through kind of longer periods of depression and kind of talked a lot about like men and depression and how often men aren't talking about it and how it can go sort of undiagnosed for Mm -hmm. men because it might appear different than it does for women. So uh, let's go ahead and take a listen. Uh, He was on Good Morning America talking about this, or they did a story about it. Let's go ahead and take a listen, and then you and I can talk about Dwayne The Rock Johnson and depression. I left school. The interesting thing at that time is I didn't know what mental health was. I didn't know what depression was. I just knew I didn't want to be there. The star describing his battle with depression after his college football career ended and then again when his marriage ended. I went through it again when I got a divorce, but knew what it was at that time. And luckily at that time, I had some friends who I could lean on. 
say, hey, you know, I'm feeling a little wobbly now. I've got a little struggle happening. Johnson adding on Instagram, I've worked hard over the years to gain the emotional tools to work through any mental pain that may come to test me. As men, we didn't talk about it. We just kept our head down and worked through it. Not healthy, but it's all we knew. He says parenthood helped him put things into perspective. The saving grace for me has really been my daughters, the three of them, and being a girl dad. That's been the saving grace because you look at them and you realize, well, I mean, really, this is what it's all about. Okay, so, um, Brian, I I mean, it wasn't, like, shocking, like, mm-hmm. <gasps> Dwayne Johnson has depression, but I was impressed that he came out and started talking about because I haven't heard him talk about this before. I, yeah, and on one hand, you're, like, you're used to people talking about it now, but on the other hand, you're like, wait a minute, this is a big dude. Yeah. He is a famous movie star, super rich, super popular. Like you yeah. said, your kids, it's his favorite Uh he kind of you just think he's got everything like, yeah, if you made a list of what's what does it look like to have made it? He is checking that list. Absolutely. And so I still think even though in our minds we know, you know, things like depression and mental health issues aren't contingent upon your accomplishments or your money mm-hmm. or whatever else. It's still surprising. Yeah. Like, to actually hear someone like him talk about it is still like. Really? Really? Uh, I don't know. It's even though, you know, that's not the case. And it also speaks to triggers, right? Like super successful, all this stuff. But when his marriage fell apart, that was a big deal. And you're like, okay, yeah. Sometimes you forget money doesn't insulate you from the Mm. falling apart of a relationship. And um, so, yeah, it's weird to put it that way, but it's still surprising to hear somebody. It's still surprising. Um, so, okay. I I'm curious, Brian, from your perspective, cause he did talk about, you know, part of the problem with men in depression is that they're just not as likely to talk about it or seek treatment. Mm-hmm. He reported, you know, finally having a group of friends where he could like send them a text message. I think he said, Hey, I'm feeling a little wobbly right now, you know? And so his friends supported him. I love that. But what's the, what's the deal with men, Brian? <laughs> no, really? Wh- why do you think this is harder? Cause I do feel like the stigma is changing, but why do you think it's still more difficult for men to seek help and to talk about it, even to recognize the symptoms? So it's one thing to say the stigma is changing. It's another thing to say the stigma is changed. Mm. Uh, so I do think to be a, and if you could see me use air quotes here, to be a real man is you don't have these types of feelings. You're not an emotional person. You're not, even though we are culturally, we've almost swung the pendulum far the other way, but it's still like, you know, real men cry, but we don't actually believe that. Like yeah. in practice, hmm. um, talk about our feelings, isn't that? It's still, things are changing, right? We're not in the 1950s anymore. Yeah. But it's still not. It's still, uh, again, I will use the phrase, it's changing, it's not changed. And so. Hmm. I do think for that reason of weakness and this and this, it's much more um, likely that a man is going to cover these things up, push them down, yeah, not want to talk about them, not go see a counselor, not whatever. Yeah. Uh, and so therefore, I, it was interesting in that report where they said it comes across as anger and this and that. Yeah, and aggression. Mm-hmm. These things. 
I also found it interesting that Dwayne Johnson said, you know, he's got some tools now, like in his tool belt, so he knows how to at least do the work to try to remain emotionally healthy. But I also appreciated that he talked about being a dad of daughters. Like my three daughters have certainly been a part of my healing journey. And I I was kind of curious about that too from your perspective, Brian. Like I certainly know there are things my kids do as far as like help me experience being in the present moment, help me experience delight, like the joy and the affection I feel for them. But certainly there are people who would say, actually, my kids make me more depressed, you know? (laughs) So from your perspective, like someone having daughters and again, being a, a man, what do you think it is about his relationship with his daughters that helps him in this journey? I think it is. And you saw, if you saw this report, you saw that his kids are young. Uh, there was nothing better, Aubrey, than especially when your kids are young and you they looked at you like you were the king of the world, mm. even if, you know, in his case, he didn't get the movie role or in our case, the church wasn't going well or whatever. You still walked in and there was an immediate perspective of these people love me. These little people love me because I'm their dad, not because I did X, Y or Z or I accomplished mm. this. There, and it was like, and I love them more than anyone else who's talking about me or said anything or whatever. I think for me, having kids was just a perspective shift. Of yeah. like, I don't have to win their love. I could have had a terrible day. And you know what happened when I walked in the door? They came running to me. Yeah. Um, or uh, you know what happened? Even if I had the greatest day where I knocked it out of the park and was super successful, I still had to come home and clean up after them and Mm. do certain things, give them a bath or whatever. Mm. It always kids put things into perspective for us. And that's what I hear him saying. Like he's getting lauded, he's getting this and this. And it's like, well, nope, my kids still want to play and they actually still kind of rule the house and they love me and all this. Right. No matter what I'm achieving, they love me. The national Institute of health reported that an estimated 21 million adults in the U S experienced a major depressive episode in guess which year, 2020. Mm. And uh, the National Institute of Health, along with Dwayne The Rock Johnson, are encouraging men and women, but especially men, to reach out and ask for help. Well, coming up next, something that is going to bring delight to all of our listeners, including to me and Brian. We are joined by Anthony Russo. He's a creator of a hilarious game called The Bible is Funny. Brian and I are going to talk to him about that and actually play the game on the air. You are not going to want to miss that when we return. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. And we are really, really excited. In fact, we've already been laughing a lot. We are joined by Anthony Russo. He's the creator of a new game called The Bible is Funny. He's also the creative arts and communications director down in Clearwater, Florida. And uh, this game is sort of like Cards Against Humanity, but it's using the Bible. It's hilarious. It's family friendly. And Brian and I have already laughed so much just reading some of it. So, Anthony, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. We are so excited. We're actually going to play the game. We're going to try to play the game later on air. I cannot wait for that. But Anthony, give us a, like a, like a, tell us about the Bible is funny, why you decided to create it. Give us all that background. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we started the Bible is funny a couple of years ago and it was really born out of a place where it's, it's, it's kind of a funny story for me as I look back. Cause really what I was burdened for was like, 
uh, I was felt very unfamiliar with the Bible. Like it was the weirdest thing. I grew up in church my whole life. I was serving on staff at a church at the time. And I could, and there was like the hits that I knew, right? Like I knew our top hits. I could tell you the prodigal <laughs> son and I could tell you a lot of the, but then I'm looking at this whole book and I'm like, I don't know most of this. Like if, mm. if you tell what's in, what's going on in numbers, what's going on in Leviticus, what's going on? I don't know. I haven't yeah. spent much time there and I'm running around telling people this is like this transformative life changing book that will, it's everything you're, and then they're like, Oh, what's in the first part? And you're like, I don't, I don't know. So it's probably, but it's good. I'm sure. Sure. Right. Like there's stuff in Genesis. So, um, so, so really it was kind of born from that place. I was like, I want to go deeper. I want to dive into this. Mm. And so, uh, I'm a comedian. I've been doing comedy since I was 15 years old. So, um, I was like, I wonder if these will work together in some way. So I started this like two year plus deep dive where I was just very slowly reading through the Bible. And then I, it just started to jump out at me. Like there's, there's really funny stuff in here Mm. and it usually lives in places that doesn't translate super well to a sermon and that's why i feel like i haven't been like exposed to it a ton because Mm. a lot of it doesn't make a whole i don't want to say it doesn't make a lot of sense but at first blush you're like well how do i get three (laughs) application points to put this into my life i don't know a bear came out of the woods and mauled a bunch of kids (laughs) like you're like what do i do with that story what crazy that's wild um so I, i was reading through and then this project was kind of born it you went through a journey awesome. of like i was writing blogs about just like pointing the stuff out then it turned into like memes on instagram uh nice. that we were having a whole lot of fun with with like verses that you could just kind of like pull you know insanely out of context and they were very <laughs> funny um and then uh, yeah i got the chance to write a devotional book uh la- two years ago now and then uh now we got to this card game which i just feel like is is just my favorite thing i've ever worked on oh, that's so cool so so fun Hey, before we do the card game, give us really briefly, do people ever get mad about you laughing with the Bible? Do they ever like, you shouldn't do that with the Bible? Yeah, like we're not taking it seriously enough. People on the internet uh, and Christians especially are so, they have no tendency to get angry. I don't know why (laughs) you would assume that about them. No, it happened a lot early on, honestly, you guys. Like it was like very early and, and of course like, my wife is the best and she she would get she was like uh, you know so upset she wanted to fight everybody who was mad at me and i was like you know babe i think once we show everybody what we're doing here it will become clear the heart behind this project Mm. Um, because the heart behind the project is to just help people bring their creativity and their imagination with them when they are reading the bible and when they're learning about the bible and so once we got once we got going, you know, the first yeah. couple of posts, a lot of like one person like very directly uh, said that I was Satan in a, in a comment <laughs> that in a, like a message exchange we had back and forth. And I was really I just tried to be so patient and just with everybody like, yeah, it's not that's not what we're about here. Yeah, we have some rules we follow. You know, the Bible is never like the butt of the joke. Mm. The Bible is never it's is not a joke about the Bible. Yeah, it, what it is is pointing out things in the Bible that you maybe haven't noticed before or that you've maybe gone past in your readings. Um, uh, So, yes, you will be shocked to know that occasionally (laughs) people get a little upset Uh, uh, when you do funny stuff with the Bible. uh, People are the worst. No, just kidding. All right. um, (laughs) You can find Anthony Russo on Instagram. Just go to the Bible is funny. But let's play the card game, Anthony. So why don't you lead us in this thing? 
Absolutely. So you, you you told a little bit about the gameplay. There's there's several games that function like this, Cards Against Humanity. What do you mean, apples to apples? So the, the premise is you're going to get a prompt. Someone's going to play a prompt. You're going to have verse cards in your hand. These verses are real Bible verses pulled wildly out of context and then put into this game. So I'm going to play a prompt for you guys. Okay. You have the game, so you have verse cards yes. in your hand. Uh, I'm going to ask you to play... Pick two of those verse cards each. Okay. So you both okay. get to play two because that's what's fun about these games if you guys have played it. You ba- there's rules, but then you just basically make it up as you go along. That's yeah. right. Um, so I, this is what I thought. We have Father's Day coming up uh, here here kind of soon. So I was going to play this prompt here. Uh, something a dad would say. This is <laughs> something a dad would say. Um, and then I'm going to pick the, which which one I think is the funniest. I got him. I got my two. I'm gonna. He's already two. ready. Wow, you're so fast. Nah, two jumped out. Two. All right, of them I've got. Out. I've got two also. I've got two also. All right. Okay. Right, you let, go first. Uh, should I go first? Okay. Sure. Okay. Here's the first thing. What What is the What's the prompt? A thing a dad would say, or yeah, what a something dad a dad would say. Something a dad would say. How long must I put up with you? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. That's good. good. That's good. All That's right. Good. Th- this one's similar. Uh, I am not pleased with you, Malachi. One ten. That's harsh. Yeah. That's a harsh dad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. The, your first one was better than your second one. That was yeah. Good. I agree. I agree. <clears throat> My first one is this Psalm sixty nine. I looked for sympathy, but there was none. <laughs> oh, that's kind of accurate. That's true. <laughs> I feel like that is as I have teenagers. That's yes. funny because it's true. Yes. <laughs> and then speaking of as we get older with our kids, Psalm seventy one nine, do not cast me away when I am old. <laughs> oh that one's so sad. Oh. So this so is the sad. other thing I find fun about these games, because since I get to pick the winner, I the and, and this this one just spoke to me the most. Definitely, Brian. Uh, I looked yeah. for sympathy and there was none. Yeah, that, that was there good. That was I've really lived good. this. We have two young kids in the house. You have a tough day of work and you you come home and your <laughs> wife has been juggling two kids and their craziness and yes. everything going out of the house. And you're like, you know what? This isn't the place. This isn't the place I'm going to get any sympathy, no sympathy for my here. meeting I was in earlier. It's so, so true. I, that would happen to me. I would come home when my wife, had, when we had little kids at home and I, she'd be like, what would you do today? It was a tough day, but I had a lunch meeting. You know, we went out to Chili's, and then she's like, "Really? I finished the kids' mac and cheese." <laughs> and then I was like, Never mind. Never mind. I remember Kevin would just not tell me if he had a lunch meeting. Like I'd be like, "I, I actually don't want to know if you were at a restaurant. Like, just don't even, just, just don't even tell me." Anthony, That's where it. can people find and follow you? Where can they purchase the game? The Bible is funny. Yeah, the simplest is probably like on Instagram at the Bible is funny. That's where most of the content goes. Uh, there's a link in the bio on Instagram that you can get the game. You can also go to my website, anthonyrusso.me. Um, uh, but you can follow along on Instagram for all of our shenanigans. Awesome. Definitely worth getting to play as a party game, small group game with your family, et cetera, or on the radio. Like or us. on the radio. Or yeah. on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, thanks so much for, me- thanks Great so to much meet for you, being man. here with us today. Thanks, y'all. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Now, normally on Fridays, we do a top five list. Today, we're going to do something a little bit 
different because I found a super weird list of smells or scents that I want to share with our listeners only because they're just weird. But before we go into their list, let's do a little impromptu. We don't even have to do top five, but what are some of your favorite smells or scents? Like if you're getting a candle of this scent to light in your house because you love it so much, what is it? So uh, I've shared this one before. I love the smell of cut grass. Ah, yes. That goes back to your love of mowing the lawn. Yep. I love that. Uh, This is a weird one that I'd never met anyone else who kind of was like, oh, I like this. But like my son recently was like, oh, I really like that smell. This is going to seem really strange. Uh, It's like truck exhaust, like gas smell. (laughs) Uh, That's a weird one. Yeah, some people like gas smell. Yeah. I like, um, yeah, cut grass. Uh, If you could... uh, brownies or cookies being mm. baked in the oh, house man. i'm not even oh, a huge baby. cookie fan but just the smell of it like the smell the of something yeah. uh, some dessert being yes. baked uh, yes. there's that there's also especially early like this time of year when you put meat on the grill like mm. that smell of meat on the grill so a lot okay. of food a lot of food for me yes yes um yeah, those are some. Those are some. That I come definitely to mind like me. food. Like if I buy candle, it's usually the gourmand kind, so it is foodie. Like I like butterscotch candles and salted caramel candles and vanilla candles and buttercream candles and like I tend to go that route. A weird smell for me, although it won't surprise you because it's me. There's a certain scent at Disney World, like on certain rides, you can actually buy candles of this. And whatever that is, I think it's just because I love Disney. It brings some nostalgia to me. Yeah. And I don't know that I would actually like the smell of the candle. So that's interesting because smells are usually <clears throat> the best ones are the ones that bring us back to totally. Something. So like, for instance, and but in the moment, we don't know those smells. Yeah. So uh, one of the funny stories that I like to tell is where I grew up in New Jersey, the house I grew up in um, had a very distinct smell to me that I didn't know was a smell until you then go away for college and you come back and like you open the door and you're like, I'm home. This is what my house smells like. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. Uh, there's a very distinct smell for Carrie's parents' house that I, I like, uh-huh. she didn't even know it until we would go visit. And I'm like, that smells like your parents' yes. house. Yes. Yes. But. So years and years later, I took my kids and my wife and we were all back in New Jersey and I walked to the house that I grew up in was back in the woods. So we walked down the driveway and I was like, I'm just going to go knock on the door. Yeah. And so I knocked on the door. I was like, hey, I grew up here uh, and I made a joke to the guy. I was like, that smell like immediately makes me think of home. And he goes, that smell? That's mildew. Oh! <laughs> and I don't know it. if he was right Stop or wrong. It. Stop it. But I was just like, okay, well, but it still makes me think of the home. good old scent of mildew but, brings me back. <laughs> but the funny thing is, like, I don't know the scent of our house. Yeah, but, but you sure know you have one. Now that my daughter has gone to college, when she comes back, she's uh-huh. probably like, oh, it's home. Like, there uh-huh. is a scent of home. And I think that's the most important thing about mm. smells and tastes and everything is yeah. what it is hooked to like yeah what it connects your heart to and right your, and you, also, yeah. you kind of have to get away from for some people's like the smell of their car or yeah their house or like you said a good vacation home or whatever yes. else it might be 
Uh, there are certain smells. Like we go up to Carrie's sister and brother-in-law. They have a cabin up in Wisconsin. We go with them all the time in the summer. And there's you open that door and there the cabin has a smell that immediately makes me go, I'm on vacation. Wow. Right? I love that smell not oh. because of the smell. But because, but because I know I'm on what it yeah. means. That's like, so interesting. We're here. So that's what I think is the best thing about smells is what it links you to. Yeah, what it links you to, what it's reminiscent of, or where it helps you go in your memory. Don't you that feel kind like, of thing. Don't you think right now you could walk what dorm were you in at Wheaton? Like when you first started? I was Fisher in Trader. Dorm. You're in yeah. Fisher, right? Uh-huh. So don't you feel like you could walk into Fisher Dorm right now? And probably be brought back to college. Oh, like there's a for smell. Sure. There's a for smell sure. probably that still is in Traver Hall. Yeah, that I'm I was. Like, nope, I was I'm, I'm home. Arena theater, and I feel like it'd be the same. I haven't been there in a few years, but if I walked in there, I'm sure I would be like, <gasps> and no all doubt. the memories would come flooding back. Like it is interesting. It's funny too because you're right about people's homes. You go into anyone's home, and it, they have a specific. Yep. Sense. I don't know if that's pheromones. I don't know if that's body chemistry. Like, what is it? Just but what they have there. My yeah. best friend growing up, my best friend, I know their house had a very distinct smell. It wasn't good. It wasn't bad. It yeah. was just distinct. Yeah. And they don't live in that house anymore. But if they did, and I walked back into it now 20 years later, like if you blindfolded me, this would be a fun game, right? <sighs> You'd be blindfolded and to be walked into certain places from your childhood or from your past. And I'll bet you, you could get them in almost a hundred percent. Like if you blindfolded me yeah, and walked me yeah. into their house, You'd I would know. go, Oh, I'm at their house. Wow. I'm at my house. I'm at Carrie's parents' uh-huh, house. I'm in uh-huh. Traver dorm. I mean, yeah. I could, you think about that. You That'd could be interesting. A little experiment. Yeah. You could do that. And I'll bet you with the major things in my life, my grandparents' house, or whatever. What I'll about bet you Panera? The... Can you smell? Would you know you're in a Panera? Well, that's for different reasons, but absolutely, <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. But you, you could go into those places and go, "I'm in this place," and mm. probably be almost always right. Yeah, it's so so fascinating the the power of smell. Okay. So, Brian, there is a weird list online, listverse.com, of incredible smells. I don't even know how they know some of these, but I'm going to share some of them, okay? Yep. Uh, space. Here's Which what they weird. say. Space is a vacuum. It shouldn't have a smell, and yet it does. How does anyone know this? I don't know. But they say, first off, there is a giant ball of sweet, fruity, rum-smelling gas Right in the center wow. of the galaxy. The chemical is known as ethylformate. Why is it there? No one knows. But from reports of astronauts, we know other odors of space are also food-related, with some referring to it as sulfurous and meaty. Another astronaut, Thomas Jones, reported, when you repressurize the airlock and get out of your suit, there is a distinct odor of the ozone, a faint acrid smell, similar to burnt gunpowder, or the ozone smell of electrical equipment. So wow. Space. Weird, right? That's one. That's a strange one. But none of us, 99.9% of us will never experience. Never experience that. that. Okay, here's another one. You ready? Other planets. Listen to this. Venus apparently smells of rotten eggs due to the clouds of sulfuric acid. That sort of makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Jupiter, because each layer of atmosphere is made up of different chemicals, the scent depends on where you are. Listen to this. In some layers... You will smell delightful, bitter almonds due to the not-so-delightful hydrogen cyanide. How do you know this, though? I don't know. Other layers, you'll smell ammonia, like cleaning products, 
Uh, Jasmine? They basically say that the rest of the planets are mostly without a distinct sense due to the atmosphere of largely odorless gases. So somehow they know what the gases are, and I guess they know what the gases smell like. That very weird. That's strange. A- yep. Apparently, this is kind of what you're talking about. The Versailles Palace in France had a very specific smell, but that makes sense based on like mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. we've just talked about. But they actually say that there's a historic candle maker in France who makes a candle scented like the floors of Versailles. Uh, the the floor was apparently waxed with vapors of like candelabra and perfume and incense and citrus fruit. So you can purchase that candle if you want to on Amazon. It's a hundred dollars though. <laughs> That's there. Bring you back. Would okay. you, here's the question. Here's the yeah. question. Would you pay uh, a not small amount of money? to have a candle made of the things that you most loved your home growing up, your whatever yeah, else I it probably could be would. things of nostalgia. Yeah. I, would, probably I totally would. would. Yeah. Totally would. Yeah. I, I think just for that, just for the fact that it would bring you back, I think I definitely would. All right. Well, that was a fun conversation about scents and smells. We hope that carries you into smelling some good things over the weekend. Maybe some grilling meat outside, maybe a good hot cup of coffee. We will be back again on Monday from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.